0: When the preacher was going around the country and uh, our church uh, actually participated in helping to buy and uh, what all about this building and our church was so excited uh, about uh, having a church started in, in New York. What a, what a great blessing it is. You know, in our area, everybody's leaving the city. Uh, I was telling the preacher on the way over here, there is not one Fundamental independent Baptist church, English-speaking church in the entire city of Dallas. They've all moved out to the outside, and so it's good to have a church in the city, and uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, we're glad we get to be a part of it, and I'm excited about what God's doing in Faith Promise. Now, as the preacher said, I am the missions director for Global Independent Baptist Missionaries. I also am the pastor of Liberty Baptist Church uh, in Louisville, Texas, and uh, uh, I pastor the church in my spare time, and uh, I'm gone a lot. Uh, But our church understands that, and they're very gracious about that issue. Uh, And uh, uh, a week, two weeks from Sunday, this past Sunday, uh, we'll have our anniversary, and I will have been their pastor for 27 years. And I know I don't look that old, but I really am. And so uh, I'm, come on, y'all out there. Uh, So uh, I'm really glad to be here. Now, I want to, I warn you, I told the preacher when he asked me to do this, I said, now, you know I'm a Texan, right? He said, yeah. I said, well, now, I don't preach like northern preachers, okay? I, uh, I believe when you preach, you ought to get with it. And so you got to get your handkerchief and join in with me. Now, you can either have a good time or you're going to be awful unhappy before this is over. Uh, and so I, I just believe in enjoying preaching the Word of God, and I do enjoy it. And I hope you will as well. Now, if you would tonight, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Stand with me. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. We're going to have prayer together because we all understand if God doesn't do this, it just doesn't get done. Uh, it doesn't make any difference who the preacher is. Uh, all that really matters is that God takes what's done here and puts his blessing upon it. And the Holy Spirit will be allowed to have it lodge in your heart and make a difference in your life. Because if you leave here tonight, just like you came, we really hadn't had very much of a church service. And uh, I don't believe in just uh, wasting time. I believe we ought to go to church. And so I want you to uh, be a part of the service tonight. And we might even ask you to say amen every once in a while. That's good. Boy, I like that. That's that's very, very good. I uh, am very thankful for it. So Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum, talking about Jesus, after some days, and it was noise that he, Jesus, was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemes? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit uh, that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easy easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Don't you think that's an understatement they never saw anything like that? What a blessing. Would you pray with me? Lord, we sure do love you tonight. And we are so thankful for the privilege uh, that we have to gather together with your people uh, in this place with the purpose of encouraging one another uh, to get the gospel out around the world. It is so exciting uh, to see missions work firsthand around the world. Lord, it does work. The gospel still has power to save. It still has the power to change lives, Uh, whether we're talking about in America or Germany or the Philippines or Korea or Argentina or whatever nation we could name tonight. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ still works. And we need with all that's within us to have a great desire uh, to get the message out. So I pray you'd bless our time together tonight and that we might learn and glean from this passage of scripture in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm not very good at preaching from up here, so I'm going to come down there. Uh, and uh, this story is one of the greatest stories in the Bible, in my opinion, to help us understand what God expects from us. Don't you think you ought to know what God wants? Nobody wants to be in the dark. I'm telling you, with my wife, uh, we figured this out. We've been married 41 years almost. And uh, we, I told her years and years ago, don't expect me to figure it out. If you want something from me? Just say it. Just tell me, don't say, well, you know, I don't know. And I'm glad God's like that. God doesn't leave you in the dark hoping you'll figure it out. He wants to tell you exactly what he wants you to do. And all he expects you to do is say, yes, Lord, I will do it. And so this story that we have tonight is going to express that and show us how to do that. Uh, Jesus Christ came into the city of Capernaum after he'd been out preaching the word of God. And he goes into Peter's mother-in-law's house. Now, that really upsets a lot of folks that Peter had a (laughs) mother-in-law. Some people think he was the first pope. If he was, they've got a problem. Because he had a mother-in-law, that means he had a wife. Nobody gets a mother-in-law on purpose. (laughs) You got to get a wife with it or you're just not a good deal at all. And so he had a mother-in-law. So they're in his mother-in-law's house. And uh, it was noised in the whole community that he was going to be in the house. So the people showed up. I'm telling you, they packed the place. I've actually been to this place. Uh, It's a very interesting, very small house. Uh, about half the size of this would be the room uh, that they were meeting in, and they had windows all the way around it uh, where people could look in. No glass in it, just windows, so people could uh, meet around the building and look in. This place was packed. People were all the way around the outside of it. The door was packed, and there was four men that had a, a dear friend that they wanted to get to Jesus. They believed if they could get this man with palsy to Jesus Christ, he would heal him and let him go home healed. Come on, say amen. That'd be a miracle, wouldn't it? And so the Bible says uh, that uh, uh, they tried to get him to, to Jesus Christ. So when they brought him, there's four men, one counting uh, each corner of the of the bed, and they tried to get in. Excuse me, excuse me, we got a sick man here. They said, so do we, and they wouldn't let him in. He tried to go around the back. They wouldn't let him in. None of them wouldn't let him in. And so they decided uh, that they were going to be good fundamental Baptists and just quit and go home. No, thank God they didn't do that. Come on. They didn't do that. You know what they did? They got up on the roof and they tore a hole in it. Now, that's how I know they were bad They tore up somebody's house with no intentions of fixing it. And I'm going to let you understand, they didn't just tear a little bitty hole in it. They tore a great big hole and let a bed down in it. they didn't just pull a few tiles off. They tore a gigantic hole in Peter's mother-in-law's house and let this man down by the ropes right in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my thought to, in my thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, did anybody notice... Anybody notice they tearing a giant hole in the roof? I just can't help but believe that they got up on the roof and started tearing a hole in it. Somebody would notice. it would be some dirt falling on somebody. Somebody would say, what is those nuts doing? Nobody seemed to even notice that they were doing that. They were so intent on what Jesus Christ was doing and saying that they didn't pay any attention until these men dropped this man down right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw them uh, and what they did, he stopped and paid attention. Now, what was it that made Jesus Christ stop and pay attention? It, well, Jesus said, man, these guys just never give up. I'm so glad they have such a, uh, 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 a never give up attitude. You know, he didn't say that. Man, these guys really love this man. Wow, what great friends. Now, he didn't say that either. Man, I'm so glad uh, they, they cared enough to work really hard getting him to me. No, no. He didn't say that either. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says when he saw their faith, he stopped what he was doing and paid attention to what they were doing. Now, I want to suggest to you tonight, that's exactly how you're going to get God's attention in your life. You're going to have to do it by faith. Do you realize without faith, you cannot accomplish anything for God? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Does he mean that? I mean, does God know what impossible means? Does He know that you can't do it? I'm telling you what it means in Texas, probably same thing it means in New York. If it's impossible, it's not going to happen anyway, anyhow, no time. If God says it's not happening, it's not happening. Come on, say amen. And so, He said this, I'm telling you, you cannot please God without faith. And you get up every morning and you think to yourself, I want to please God. Well, you can't do it without faith. Everything we do has to be wrapped around faith. And so the Bible says when he saw their faith, he did something that they were not expecting. Aren't you glad? It's always wonderful when God does something I'm not expecting. Come on, that's the good part. You know what he did? He looked at the man and says, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now that's not what they came there for. Now I'm going to tell you, when I got saved January the 14th, 1973, I went to church and I was not expecting to get saved. I went there to get my wife to leave me alone. She just bugged me and bugged me and bugged me. We got to go to church. We got to go to church. And finally, I told her she went over to the Dairy Queen one night. And that's a, y'all don't have those here, do you? It's a, you do? Okay, We. she went over to the Dairy Queen uh, on a Saturday night. And she said, I found the church we're going to go to uh, tomorrow. And I said, well, if I get up, we'll go. Now, can I just tell you, that was, I knew wasn't going to happen. I never got up on Sunday morning until football time. All right, y'all, y'all don't get this, but I was lost. And, and so I said, if I get up in the morning, I'm telling you, at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting up wide awake, sitting up in the bed. I don't know why. I know why now, but I didn't know why then. And my wife said, let's go to that church. I said, I'd call him and find out what time it starts. She calls down there and Brother Homer answered the phone. Of course, I didn't know who he was at the time. And uh, he began to ask her questions. And I, I could tell what he was asking by what she answered. He said, uh, what's your name? What's your husband's name? Where do you live? How many children you got? Where do you work? What's your phone number? On and on and on. Finally, about the 14th question he asked, I yelled mad enough to make him make sure he heard it. I said, hang up on that idiot. <laughs> Well, it was too late. He already had us. You know, (laughs) come on. Y'all know how fundamental babes work. I get your name and number. I got you, buddy. I'm coming to your house whether you like it or not. Amen. Well, we got up and we went there that morning. And uh, I, I had never been to a real church in my entire life, ever. And so when we walked into that church, we didn't look like they did. And I'll be kind, but we didn't look anything like them. And when we walked in, we walked down the backside over here. We walked down the aisle, and everybody in the church is watching us. So, woo, we got us some now. I didn't know what it was, but let me tell you, we didn't look or act or anything like them. They had a, a, a Sunday school building that went out right like this door right here. And I walked down there, and I'm just standing there not really knowing what to do. Didn't know how to stand up, sit down. I didn't know what to do. i never been to a church like that before. And some of you all had this experience. You have no idea what's coming next. Well, this lady come out this door, and my son, who is a missionary to Argentina, uh, she took him from me. He was about 12, 13 months old. She just took him. And I said, no, and I took him back. (laughs) And she said, yes, and she took him and ran off. And I'm telling you, I was upset. I was mad. What is this crazy woman that took my kid? And she said as she's running down the hall, you can't listen to the preacher if the kid starts crying. And I'm thinking, I didn't come to listen to the preacher anyway. She took off with my kids. So I'm sitting there and we sat on the second row. I, I'd never been to church. I didn't know you are supposed to sit in the back. So we came right down to the front and we sat on the second row. And we're sitting there and that preacher gets up and he starts preaching. they singing these songs I'd never heard before, but I kind of liked them. And uh, he gets up and he starts yelling like I'm doing. I asked my wife, I said, what is he mad about? Somebody done made this man mad. What is he doing? And then all of a sudden he started preaching and the Holy Spirit starts. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. He's talking to you. And he made this statement. He said, don't let your friends and relatives, uh, what they think, send you to hell. And I thought, boy, that's exactly what I'm doing. And then he made this statement. I'll never forget it. It changed my life. He said, are you sick and tired of your lifestyle? I said, man, if you only knew how sick I am, the way I'm living. He said, if you'll come this morning. And receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He'll dip a giant eraser in the blood of Christ. And he'll wipe out all your sin. And he'll let you leave here a brand new person in Jesus Christ. I said, man, I'm down with that. I want some of that right now. Well, i would never been to a church before. I didn't know they had an invitation. You know, when you don't go, you don't know. He said, if I wanted, I could have it. So I got with under, Right in the middle of his sermon. And he's... Y'all just don't understand how weird this was. But anyway, you know, I, being a preacher now for a long, long time, I realized what he was doing. You know, uh, if you're preaching and somebody over here is disturbing, a kid's disturbing, they're crying or something, well, I just preach to y'all. I just ignore them. Well, I'm standing down here beside the pulpit and looking up at him and thinking, I, I want to get saved. And he looks down at me and he just starts preaching to the other side and just ignoring me. Well, I didn't know he was what, he, what, what was going on. I thought maybe I'd stand there for a certain amount of time. I... You wouldn't believe how dumb people are about church. And I was one of them. Finally, after a little while, of preaching seemed like forever, he turned over and looked at me and he said, What do you want? I said, I want to get saved. He said, Oh. (laughs) So he comes down and starts leading me to Christ. It was awesome. Well, while I'm over here on this side of the pulpit, Uh, Getting saved the preacher's leading me to cross My wife walks down to the front And uh, she stood there for a long time too And finally one of the deacons Come to her and said what did you come for And my wife said Well I don't know what he came for But I want to get that saved stuff that preacher was talking about So my wife got saved on this end of the pulpit Or platform while I was getting saved on this end It was awesome And we got baptized together I didn't go to church expecting that That's not what I went there for I got a whole lot more than what I thought I was going for. Well, see, that's exactly what happened to this man. He when he got uh, when the, he was let down, and Jesus saw their faith. He said, "Thy sins be forgiven thee." The greatest thing God could do for any of us is to forgive us of our sin. That's the greatest gift ever. Amen. Woo! That ought to make you get happy. Amen. I'm telling you, if you're saved here tonight, it ought to make you happy that Jesus forgave you of your sins. Or maybe you don't realize you needed forgiveness of your sin. That's what is wrong with a lot of people. I'm telling you, God said we're all sinners and we all need it. And when you get it, it ought to make you excited. Amen. Man, I got excited about getting saved and I ain't got over it yet. Amen. That's been a long time ago. I hope I never get over it. Jesus said to them, thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, you know, that made everybody mad. Can I tell you, when I got saved, I made a bunch of people mad. Amen. I went home that afternoon after I got saved on Sunday morning after I'd made some visits Everybody gets saved have to make some visits Had to go visit my brother Tried to get him to go to church with me He told me he was an atheist and yelled at me I went to my other brother and he told me he didn't care I was crushed I went to my best friend's house and he laughed at me You know what? I didn't care I got something wonderful and I knew God was going to change. So I went home after I made those three visits, my wife and I, and I took all my drugs and I flushed them down the toilet. How do you know I had never heard one sermon on drugs? Let me tell you something, folks. When Jesus comes into your life, some people, you just some things you just don't have to be told. Come on, you know. I took all my rock records and broke them and threw them in the trash. Took all my alcohol and poured it down the drain. I hadn't even heard one sermon on this. I don't know what I'd done if he'd have preached on it. But I'm going to tell you this, that's that's what happened to me the first afternoon. I went back to church that night and I got baptized. The preacher baptized us together. I meant literally. He took us and I put my arm around my wife and he put us both down together and brought us both back up together. And he said, that'll help you serve Jesus together the rest of your life. I don't know whether that had anything to do with it, but it sure has worked. Amen. So he forgave him of his sins and everybody got mad. I went back to work after I got saved and... uh, uh, all the guys come up and say, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to do this. So even I said, well, you know, I, I can't do that. So why not? I said, I got saved yesterday. What? What does that mean? Don't tell me you're on another one of those kicks of yours. I said, no, my life's changed. You know what? They all got mad. You know, they ought to have been glad. But they weren't. Neither were these guys. Wouldn't you think if Jesus said to this man that was sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, that it had a revival meeting. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah, that's not what happens. They got mad. And Jesus said, what, what are you getting mad? He said, Well, nobody has the power to forgive sins, but God only. And I say, Amen. Amen. They didn't know they was talking to God. And so they all got mad. He said, but you know what? What would be easier for me to say thy sins be forgiven thee? Now, don't miss this. But so you'll know that Jesus has the power on earth to forgive sin. Rise up and walk. Now, you know, there's a lot of confusion about why God does miracles. Come on. We have a bunch of these mega churches in Dallas. We have one right down the road from us about 10, 15 miles. He runs 35,000 on Sunday morning. And this is his message. He preached it on TV not long ago. He has a Ferrari dealer. Anybody not know what a Ferrari is? Very expensive automobile. And he has one of those guys that sells them in his church. And he brought one and put it up on the platform. And this was his entire message. God wants all of you to have one of those. That's a lie, folks. That's a lie. I'm telling you, if that's true, Paul was a colossal failure. He had to make tents just to eat. Jesus Christ didn't even have a house to live in, much less a Ferrari to drive. But you know why people do that? Because they want the best of this world when that's not what is best. Amen. The best of this world is really not what's best. But here's what Jesus said. Don't ever forget this. He said, the reason I'm going to heal this man is so you'll know that I have the power to forgive sins. You know why Jesus did all the things that he did? So they'd know who he was. That's why. Can I just tell you if Jesus Christ wanted everybody in the whole world to be healed, he didn't have to come and die on a cross to make that happen. He's God. He stepped out in the midst of it, nothing and created everything. I'm telling you, he wanted everybody in the world to be healed. He could have stepped on a cloud and said, "Heal," And everybody had been healed. Is that why he came, folks. He came to suffer and bleed and die so I could have forgiveness of sin. And so he said to this man, rise up and walk. Take up your bed. I like this. He said, made your bed. I tell my kids, that's one of the first verses I taught them. Make your bed. Oh, y'all will get that after a while. Anyway, he rose up and walked. Now, what started all of this? Here's what God said. When he saw their faith. Now, I want to submit to you tonight. Now, all that was introduction. Here comes the sermon. You ready? (laughs) I would like to tell you tonight, that's exactly how every portion of your life works. When he sees your faith, he will turn his attention towards you and meet your needs. Okay, I know you're looking skeptical. Let me show you what I mean by this. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Now, grace is what God does and faith is what I do. Now here I am, Jesus Christ has uh, uh, given me the grace to hear the wonderful gospel. He's told me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and that he was buried, he rose again the third day and all of a sudden by his wonderful grace I begin to believe and when I exercise faith, the Holy Spirit turns the attention towards me and saves me. Without faith there is no salvation. Come on, that's how every one of you got saved if you are. There is no other way. You must be saved by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. If there's no faith, there's no salvation. So here's what happened. When you turned your attention towards God by faith, you believed what God said. You trusted in what God said. God turned His attention towards you and saved you and filled you with His Spirit and gave you eternal life. How? By faith. Come on, say amen. That's not the only place it works. It also works in your prayer life. You know, the Bible says in the book of James, if you don't have faith in your prayer life, you get your prayers not answered. Am I right or not? Then if you go into your prayer closet and say, now God, I don't think you can really do this, but hey, if it's okay, would you do this? The Bible says, let not that man think anything's going to be accomplished. You've got to go in your prayer closet believing that Jesus Christ loves you and believing that he cares and believing that he'll hear your prayer and believing that he'll answer. If you don't go by faith, don't bother to go at all. Come on. Now don't, don't let the devil cop out on you and say, well, I know it has to be God's will and I don't know what God's will is. Let me just tell you how you pray. Are you ready? Go in your prayer closet and believe God and ask Him for what you want. Don't worry, you're not going to change His mind if He don't want to give it to you. Don't worry. If it's not His will, you're not getting it. I'm telling you, I go into the hospital and I have people sick, and I put my hands on them and I pray and say, Oh God, would you please heal Him? say, what are you, some kind of nut? No, I'm a Baptist that believes the Bible. say, do they all get healed? No. It's not because I didn't ask. Wouldn't it be terrible when you get to heaven and you find out somebody didn't get well just because you didn't ask? Well, that'd be bad. Why not ask? I don't I don't want to be flippant about prayer, but what do you have to lose? You're not going to change God's mind. Don't worry. Somebody that's supposed to die is not going to live on because you prayed. You don't have that power. So I'm sorry to tell you that. Y'all look surprised. I know many times when somebody dies, people say, well, if I'd only did this, they wouldn't have died. Really? Do you really think you have that power? Come on. The Bible says it's appointed unto men, wants to die. Everybody has an appointment, and nothing's going to change it. But it don't hurt for me to pray. You think for one minute I have any problem getting into my prayer closet and asking God to give me money to give the missions? Well, you ought not ask for money. Ask for all the money you want as long as you're going to give it away. Amen. Amen. I ask. And God's given me strange stuff. Strange. I have this thing about cars. I'm sorry. I'm just a car nut. Uh, I, I bought one at an auction the other day. I'm on a sale. I got it back on the internet. I'm going to make a little money off from it. And uh, I buy and sell them. I drive them. I hot rod them. I drag race them. I, I'm just, I like cars. I'm sorry if that offends you. And if I lived in New York, I'd probably change my hobby. (laughs) But I also give cars away. And God knows that. And so I had this lady here about two or three years ago call me up and she said, Preacher, I've got a car I want to give you. And it was a two-year-old Volkswagen Rabbit. Now, there's a couple things I knew when she gave it to me. It wasn't for me because I don't like Volkswagens. And they're not near fast enough for me, so I knew he didn't give it to me. Okay? Now, if it had been a Corvette, I'd say, thank you, God, and I'd still be driving it. But I knew that wasn't what the purpose was. So I took the car. She gave me the title. I put it out in the parking space of the church. uh, And ever, for about a week and a half, people come in and say, preacher, whose car is that? I said, it's mine. Really? Really? You're I said, I didn't say I was driving it, I just said it's mine. He said, what are you going to do with it? I said, I don't know yet. <laughs> I'm just waiting on God to do something. Are you with me? Well, I had a missionary that probably went through my missions candidate school and he learned something from me. He really didn't, but somebody taught him the same thing. He stopped by one day at lunch and said, preacher, I'd like to take you to lunch and get acquainted with you. Now, I tell my missionaries at our mission is Candidate School to do that as much as often. You'll never buy lunch. Preacher will never let you. You'll get a free lunch. Plus, you'll get to meet the preacher. And so this young man, I start laughing because I know somebody taught him to do that. And so he stopped by and he said, I want to buy you lunch. I said, all right, but before we go uh, to lunch, I said, I'd love good lunch with you. I said, let's pray. Let's have a prayer meeting. What do you need? What is your major need in your life? I said, let's pray about it. He said, I need a car really bad. I start laughing he said no preacher I'm serious this is not funny I said yeah it is funny because you just don't know what God's already done for you (laughs) and he's gets he gives me this bewildered look on my face I said come with me and we go out there and I said you see that car that'd be a pretty nice car to do debutation in wouldn't it he said yeah and I said well here's the keys it's yours he stands there and cries like a little baby when we get through eating lunch he said "Uh, now you, you really give me this car I said yeah he said, What do you want me to do with it when I'm going on to the field? I said, Give it to somebody else, sell it, buy you what I don't care. It's yours. That's where I got it. Now, do you think it's wrong for me to ask God to give me a car so I can give it to a missionary? I don't think it is. I think God knows your motivations. So when you pray, you gotta have some faith. So faith is how you get God's attention, believing God's gonna do something in your life. I'm not through yet. You know, in your home. You want your kids to love God? Let them see your faith. I don't know why parents don't include their kids in everything that's going on. I'm telling you, everything that went on in my home, my kids are right in the middle of it, if it was positive. I never told them anything negative. My daughter called my wife, I don't know how long ago it was, and she's a missionary in Argentina. She said, Daddy, she said, Mom, Daddy never prepared us for the bad things. I said, no, I didn't see any point. Shoot, you can't get ready for, you just can't get ready for bad things. I'm sorry, there's no preparation for that except faith. So I taught my kids how to pray. I taught my kids how to believe. I taught my kids how to live by faith. And when they needed something, I didn't let them come and ask daddy. I made them ask God. Take your faith home with you. And when God sees your faith, he'll turn his attention towards your children And one of these days you may be able to stand up and say all three of your children are five or twelve or every one of them in the ministry. You think that happens by accident? No, it happens by faith. Now, every area of my life has to be surrounded by faith. So let me give you the one we're talking about this week. It's called M-O-N-E-Y. And all Baptists love to hear somebody preach about it. Don't you think if God wants your faith to be seen in your salvation and your faith to be seen in your prayer life and your faith to be seen in your home, don't you think He wants it to be seen in your finances? You know, Jesus Christ said much about money. There's much in the Word of God about money. But God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it's time for you to learn how to do Faith giving. That means you let God take control of your finances by faith and you trust God to do what God's going to do. Can I just tell you that's the only way to live? I have a missionary out of my church. I won to Christ about six years ago and he was a man who just touched things and it turned into money. He was a general manager of a Jaguar dealer and I'm telling you he had more money than he knew what to do with. And so he's going along. Good giver. It was fun. I taught him to give first, by the way. Uh, uh, First conversation. He got that one pretty good. Along about four or five years ago, God called him to preach. And now he's a missionary in Chile. And you know, he's not a Jaguar dealer anymore. He doesn't have a $250,000 a year job. He has about a $10,000 a year job. (laughs) He was in my office the other day. He's out on debutation right now. He was in my office the other day, and he said, Preacher, I've never been so broke in my life and loved it more. Everything he does is by faith. He eats by faith. When was the last time you by faith ate? And if you had no faith, you didn't eat. You see, we really don't do that very often. I mean, I knew I wasn't going to have that. I've ate the preacher's wife's food before. I knew it was going to be good and we were going to get some. And There was no faith involved in that at all. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this, folks. You need to get faith involved in your giving. Are you listening? You need to let God speak to your heart this week about what he wants you to give above your tithe. You can't give the faith promise if you don't tithe. Come on. Malachi chapter 3. You knew I was going there sooner or later. Might as well just get it over with. Come on. Y'all might as well enjoy this. Y'all got to endure this the whole week. Malachi chapter 3 says, Will a man rob God? What? Will a man rob God? Let me tell you how you rob God. You rob God in tithes? Now let me just tell you this. If you're not a tither, God said, You're robbing me. And He said, Tithes? And, anybody understand English that both sides of the end are equal? Come on. And, what's the other word? Offerings. So if you tithe and don't give an offering, or you give an offering and don't tithe, you still are robbing God. (laughs) Do you understand the difference between a tithe and an offering? A tithe is set in stone. 10% of everything God gives you belongs to Him. So simple. God gives you a dollar, 10 cents belongs to God. I tell my little grandson, he's a, he, he went to a missions conference the other day and the church gave an 8-year-old $100. Now, I don't know why they did that. But they was just trying to be good to the missionary kid. And so when he got home, he said, Papa, they gave me $100. I'm going to buy me this and I'm going to buy me this. And I'm gonna, I said, don't forget to give God his part. My eight-year-old pulled out a ten-dollar bill and said, Oh, I've already done that. Now, if an eight-year-old can get it, why can't we? He knows if he don't give what God belongs to God, there's not going to be another hundred. It's not it's not hard, folks. If God gives you a hundred, ten belongs to God. If God gives you a thousand, a hundred belongs to God. If God gives you ten thousand, a thousand belongs to God. If God gives you a million, a hundred thousand belongs to him. I'm down for that one. I would love to tithe a hundred thousand dollars wouldn't you oh come on you would too i'd love it that's what a tithe is i had a man in my church that got laid off he made lots of money he was a good tither and he got laid off from his job and he said preacher what am i going to do i said well you just tithe he said what do you mean i said when the offering plate goes by tap it on the bottom and say praise the lord and go on you make nothing you owe nothing you're still a tither So if you don't have a job, you can be a tither and not cost you anything. (laughs) It's a bad way to get out of it, but okay. (laughs) Now, an offering is not like that. An offering is when God presents a need to his people. He shows you the need, and then the Holy Spirit of God runs up and down the aisle and tells each person to give a different amount. And it has nothing to do with how much money you got. It has nothing to do with how much money you make. It has to do with how much you love Jesus. Say amen. amen. And it has to do with how much God lays on your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you have somebody in your church uh, and the preacher walks in on Sunday morning and says, uh, one of the finest families in your church has got this really tremendous problem and we as a church need to help them. And so he's presented the need and he said, we're going to take up an offering. So the Holy Spirit runs through the congregation and you begin to uh, decide what God would have you to give. They pass the offering plate. Everybody puts it in. And if everybody puts it in, the need will be met. Well the rich guy didn't give any Maybe because he don't love the Lord as much as you do You just have to do what God tells you to do And that's what faith promise missions is That's why we have a missions conference That's why we got this great looking young guy right here Before the week's over He's going to get up and show you what he believes God wants him to do And the Holy Spirit's going to run through the house And he's going to say "Ooh, Aren't you glad Aren't you excited about the Philippines Brother Benjamin Park's going to be here He's the one that invited Brother Lewis and I to go to Korea a few weeks ago. We had a fabulous, fabulous meeting. I never was so excited in my life. Now, you ought to see this interpreter try to follow me around and interpret for me. He got a workout. But I'm telling you, he followed around right next to my shoulder and said everything. I think he said everything I said. And the same way I did. When I yelled, he yelled. It was fun. I liked it. And they set up their first missions program. And the first missionary couple that they endorsed was a young couple going to China. Man, my heart did flops. It was so exciting. God just simply presents the need to you. And then the Holy Spirit tells you how much you're supposed to give. Has nothing to do with how much money you have. All it has to do with you listening to God. So faith promise, we're going to present the need. And the Holy Spirit's going to tell you what he wants you to give. And then you know what you do? By faith you give it. Well, if God drops it out of heaven, that's not the way this works. You know everything that has to do with faith is that you do and then God does. So here's how faith promise really works. God lays an amount on your heart during this missions conference. And He says, I want you to give X number of dollars. And then God said, now if you'll do what I tell you, then I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. But you have to do it first. Come on. A lot of people say, well, if he gives it to me, I'll give it. I wouldn't count on that. That's backwards. You give it because he told you to, and then he will bless you for it. It may not have anything to do with money. Amen. Your car may go further, or you might not need a car. You know, the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and never bought a new pair of shoes? You know that was an unhappy bunch of women. No new shoes for forty years. Their clothes never wore out. They never had to go to the market. They got up every morning. The food was just laying outside the tent. See, God does that stuff. It doesn't. It may not have anything to do with money. But God expects you to do what He tells you to do, and by faith you trust Him to do what He said He'd do. And then watch it work. I remember when my wife and I first got started. We hadn't been saved but just a couple weeks. And the preacher come to my house. I didn't know preachers went to people's houses. I didn't know that. He come to my house. I was so excited the preacher was there. I said, preacher, come in. My wife gets you some coffee. We sit down and we're talking. I was so thrilled that the preacher would come to my house. He said, uh, I said, preacher, what did what, you come to see me for? He said, well, I need to explain something to you. I said, what's that? He said, I want to teach you how to tithe. I said, what is that? I didn't know. He said, a tithe is God's going to ask you to give 10% of everything you give to him. I start laughing. I thought the man's joking. I said, ain't nobody can do that. I'd go bankrupt the first week. He said, no. He said, "Our, our little kids in Sunday school do that. I said, really? I said, I'm telling you, preacher, I'll go broke if I give 10%. And then he lied to me. you got to really watch preachers that lie. He said this to me. He said, you tithe for two months, and if you want your money back, I'll give it back to you. He wasn't giving it back. You put it in an offering plate. You're not getting it back. I know that now. I believed him at that time. I said, well, what I got to lose? Money back guarantee. You know what? I never asked him for it back because God just blessed. We hadn't been tithing but just a couple months, maybe three months. We had a missions conference. We had this name, this missionary by the name of Jelly. He was a missionary. And he had a big Adam's apple. And every time he ta- talked, his tie went up and down like this. Took me two services to get past that. It was just so exciting to watch that tie go up there. And he'd preach a while and he'd cry a while. And God got a hold of my heart about missions. And my wife and I got together and we said... You know, I think God wants us to do something. i would never even heard this principle before. So we decided God wanted us to give $5 a week. And my wife and myself, I said, you know what? If we just give up lunch, Let's, let's tell you how long ago it was. I only spent $5 a week on lunch. We could give this money. So you know what? I really didn't promise my money. I promised my lunch. And so I started giving it. And people started buying me lunch. <laughs> let me just tell you this, folks. You need to let God see your faith in your finances. And he'll turn his attention towards you. And he will help you be what God wants you to be. I'm not telling you you're going to be rich. Very little chance any of us are ever going to be rich. I tell you why I'm never going to be rich. I keep giving it away. But that's the fun part. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I really believe that. And I tell you, that's the truth. So what, what are you going to do? Now, it's impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to get saved without faith. It's impossible to have your prayers answered without faith. It's impossible to raise your children to love God without faith. And it's impossible to be faithful to God when your finances without faith. So what are you going to do about this thing called faith? I want you to bow your heads with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. When Jesus saw their faith, He stopped preaching, stopped what He was doing, turned His attention, and healed this man in the bed. What a great God we serve. But He wants you to have faith. He wants you to just believe Him. So here's what I want you to do. We've got just a very short time to be together. I want you to begin tonight. Lord, by faith, would you show me what you want me to do for missions? Lord, if you'll give me a clear-cut answer. Lord, if you'll just show me what you want me to do, by faith, I will do it. And I will trust you. I will just trust you. Heavenly Father, we bow before you tonight. We love you so much. We are so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the Word of God that teaches us that faith is the answer. Whatever the question is, faith is the answer. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd speak to every heart in this room tonight that we might turn our attention towards you and by faith, just trust God. I pray you'd bless tonight. Speak to our hearts. May the Holy Spirit Find liberty in every one of our hearts to speak to us about this issue of faith promise. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Now, we believe in having an altar call, and I know you do as well.